Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 25. And this page, it does not get very explicit, but it's coming. So another warning, just for you. Somewhere in America, Los Angeles, 1126 p.m., in a dark red room, the color of the walls is close to that of raw liver, is a tall woman dressed cartoonishly in two tight silk shorts, her breasts pulled up and pushed forward by the yellow blouse tied beneath them. Her black hair is piled high and knotted on top of her head. Standing beside her is a short man wearing an olive t-shirt and expensive blue jeans. He is holding in his right hand a wallet and a Nokia mobile phone with a red, white, and blue faceplate. The red room contains a bed upon which are white satin-style sheets and an oxblood bedspread. At the foot of the bed is a small wooden table upon which is a small stone statue of a woman with enormous hips and a candle holder. The woman hands the man a small red candle. Here, she says, light it. Me? Yes, she says, if you want to have me. I should have just got you to suck me off in the car. Perhaps, she says. Don't you want me? Her hands run up her body from thigh to breast, a gesture of presentation, as if she were demonstrating a new product. Red silk scarves over the lamp in the corner of the room make the light red. The man looks at her hungrily. Then he takes the candle from her and pushes it into the candle holder. You got a light? She passes him a book of matches. He tears off a match, lights the wick. It flickers and then burns with a steady flame, which gives the illusion of motion to the faceless statue beside it, all hips and breasts. Put the money beneath the statue. Fifty bucks. Yes. When I saw you first on Sunset, I almost thought you were a man. And that's our page. So, Somewhere in America is one of the subsections of the chapters that we get if we have a character that's uh, basically existing at the same time as whatever's going on with Shadow. If it's a past scene, for instance... uh, Well, the very first one we get in a couple of chapters is uh, Vikings sailing. It's coming to America. We'll get a little time stamp for those as well. First thing about this page is that it's full of color. It's really... It really sets the scene, and it's really different from previous pages. There's not as much of a focus on the color of everything like there is in this page and in this chapter. We have a prostitute now unnamed, and her John, also unnamed. First color is dark red compared to raw liver, and it's familiar imagery for the future of the book. I I guess I won't tip my hand too much, but it's a sacrificial color later in the book when we get to Cairo. But we got a while to go before we get there. The mother... Mm, Freudian ick. The woman tells the man to place the money beneath the statue with large hips. It could be a reference to the statue of Ishtar. Ishtar would be well known to Sandman fans. There's a fantastic scene where she just brings down the house. In mythology and religion, Ishtar was known as the Queen of Heaven, goddess of love, sex, fertility, war, justice, and political power. Could also be a reference to various Venus figures. One of the more famous ones is the Venus of Willendorf, also indicative of fertility with large hips and pendulous breasts. 
The names of the statues are, of course, Venus, the Roman goddess of love, but the statues themselves actually predate both Greek and Roman pantheons by thousands of years. I'd love to just talk about wide hip statues all day. It was fascinating when I started really digging into which cultures had statues like that and which cultures don't. Suffice it to say that it's not the patriarchal societies that typically would have those as statues of worship. I don't have a direct answer, though, as if this is a one of the Venus statues or Ishtar. I like the Sandman connection, so I'm going to go with Ishtar for right now, but I would love to be told differently. And the character we're dealing with who is unnamed so far, Ishtar would also be a better connection geographically. The Venus statues were found in parts of Europe. Well, I guess I won't talk about that right now. We'll get some clues as to who the character is in tomorrow's episode, and I don't want to ape that too much. We're also leading into the scene that is typically called that scene when described amongst fans and non-fans alike. When they announced the TV show was coming, my first question was, are they going to do that scene? And yeah, yeah, they did. It's not really relevant to the page, but after this, watch the first episode of the Stars series, um, if you have the ability to do so. They do this scene really, really well, and also it's it's sexy without being exploitative, it's it's just really well done, and bravo to the folks doing the show, because it seems unfilmable, and when we get there in a couple of pages, we can talk more about that, I suppose. These scenes, like Somewhere in America and Coming to America, have a lot more of a narratorial presence, and we'll meet the character who narrates these scenes, well, it's probably about 50 or 60 pages away so I will keep that in the back pocket for now. In the audiobook, Neil Gaiman actually narrates them on his own, and it's pretty wonderful when, when his voice pops up. He's got a very good reading voice. I tried to find a reference to it, but when I used Google to look up American Gods and Coming to America or American Gods and Somewhere in America or some other variation on it. I get a lot of references to the TV show, so I haven't found it yet, but I know there's a reference somewhere, and I'll keep looking for it, that uh, Neil said he wrote the sections to kind of take a break from the main story and to reorient his mind into some of the larger themes of immigration and things like that. And they're really divisive scenes. This one, not quite so much, unless, of course, you're reading the book from a prudish perspective, I guess. That might not be entirely fair of me. But this is typically one of the most referenced scenes I've seen in one-star reviews on Amazon. However, even among fans, there's people that are not entirely excited about these scenes. This one is relatively brief, as is the first Coming to America scene, but there are several that go on for pages, longer than even some of the actual chapters themselves. I guess I understand not fully appreciating the deviations from the main story. You're locked in with Shadow and you want to know more about what's going on with him, but 
because of the different, or at least because of the presumed different narrator, they're written in a different style that it, it they just, they really sparkle. They're beautifully written, even if the content is mostly dark and rather depressing. Anyway, I could go on about that for minutes, and I have. I'm actually getting closer to my 10-minute mark that I like to try to stop at. So I guess I'll just end by talking about the bit of uh, ritual that she uh, engages with, where she has the man light the candle. Also, for the first time, he takes the candle from her and pushes it into the candle holder. That's sexual, unless I'm reading in too much, and I probably could be, but I didn't click to me before this reading. But yeah, there's definitely a very, very much a ritualistic aspect. She has the candle, and there is the statue, and everything is red, and there's just, there's very much a feeling of, there's a building feeling, there's a, there's a ritualistic sort of beginning to this area of the book, and it'll continue tomorrow and as we read further. So, yeah, I guess that's all I have. I'm going to get my longest episode out of this one, apparently. You can get in touch with us at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. I'd like to thank Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow for another page. And remember, only the gods are real. <laughs>